you know, I was thinking about this series we're in and, and uh, just how important it is. Um, I was watching a movie um, last night. Um, I don't know if you saw it, Hacksaw Ridge. And if you haven't seen it, it really, really is a good, good movie. But it got me thinking about a number of things. And one of the things that I, I, I was thinking about is that, you know, sometimes, especially here in the United States, as a Christian, it's really easy to, to just, just get comfortable, you know. And, um, you know, watching that movie, and I'll probably talk about it a little bit later, hopefully get a clip or two. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a true story about soldiers in the Korean War. You know, when you grow up, when I was growing up, you know, when there was like army movies and you know, your little boys would love playing army and you had your guns and, and all that stuff. And, and it was kind of heroic and, and all that. And then, you know, when you, you know, watch it on, you know, watch these movies, you know, it's just, there's no blood, there's no gore. And so it's just, you know, it's just kind of action fun, you know. But then when you really, you know, last night when I was watching, I thought about how, you know, real war is not like that. You know, that war is, is horrible. I mean, war is, yeah, it's, it's, I just can't think of words how terrible it is. I was thinking about how the Bible says that we're in a war, that, that we're in a spiritual war. And there's so many times I don't think about it like I'm in a war. You know, I, I still think sometimes as a Christian, I, I'm like with a toy gun and, and you're just going around playing. <clears throat> but we have an enemy that, that doesn't play, you know, that this is for real. And when I was just seeing, you know, um, you know, bodies blown in half and, you know, just, this was horrible. And I thought about how real the war we're in. And yeah, it's a spiritual war. But in a lot, <clears throat> in a lot of ways, it's even more, more serious because... It's a war in which the fight is for, for souls, and, and it's fighting for eternity. You know, it, it's not just, it sounds weird, but it's not just life and death. And, and, um, and I thought about how important it is for the church and how important it is for, for us as leaders in the church is to prepare all of you for the war that we're in. You know, that it, it's, it's not, well... One day we'll be in a war. That whether and whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. Um, that the war rages on, and the war is for your soul, and the war is for the souls of the people you love and the people you know, and even the people you don't know and the people you don't love. But but it's eternity that hangs in the balance, you know. And um, I, I spoke to the our team that was here this morning, and I said, you know, sometimes I forget how important today really is when the church gathers. That I just think of it sometimes as this is Sunday, and I don't think of it like this is really the most important day of the week uh, for me, um, because this is a day in which we gather together as as God's church. And we get into the Word, and hopefully 
God will speak to us and we'll leave this place a little bit more equipped for the, for the war that we're in, you know, that you'll leave a little bit more equipped for the war um, that you're in. And, um, you know, I was thinking about it and thinking about today, and, and I said, you know, this is, this is like a huddle that we get together. And, and I don't know, you know, some people, you might come in and, and you've been searching and you've been looking for answers. And, and you're just hoping that maybe you get the answers here. And then for all of us here, you know, I, I, I get so busy sometimes, caught up in busy stuff on, on Sundays. I'm just thinking about the service. I'm thinking about the task. And I might just ignore someone who's just, just looking for something. And I ask the Lord that to open my eyes and open our eyes, you know, that we would see beyond what we can see, that... Um, that it's more than just a time of catching up with our friends, which is important. But it's a time in which we say, God, that we want everybody here equipped for the battle ahead. Um, um, this might be the last Sunday uh, for, for some of us. You know, that we just don't know. Life is fragile. And uh, I remember when my father-in-law died and, and we had a funeral and we talked about heaven. And I remember talking about heaven and her sister... My auntie was right there in the front row in, in that mortuary. And I remember talking about heaven, and I couldn't believe it. That, and, and she was, like, right there. And, and, and I know that God was speaking to her. And then the next Thursday, um, she died. And that was the last time that I had an opportunity without even knowing it, to, to share just the good news about who Jesus is, what he did, and the wonder of that place called heaven. So we just don't know, you know. And, and I hope that, that you'll see that, that this really is the most important day. This is the most important time for all of us. And uh, that we won't let it waste. That we won't let it go to waste. You know, that it's not about well, Mark was okay today, or Mark was not so good today, or Mark, that joke was horrible. You know, that is, it's more than that. It, it's let God speak to you, because it's not about me. It's not about anybody who's speaking up here. It's about God speaking to you, and we get together, and we just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So, so let's do that um, this morning, and uh, yeah, let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you that, um, that you love us, that, yeah, we're in a war, but we thank you that because of Jesus, we have the victory. But I pray that we would learn how to walk in victory. And that's what this worldview series is all about, to teach us to know what is truth, no matter how hard that is, no matter how much that doesn't make sense in certain situations. I pray, Father, that you would show us your truth and the truth would set us free. That we would live by your truth and we would live in your grace. So just speak to us this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, we're going through the book of Romans and, um, you know, we're going through what a worldview is and, and um, it's really different from the worldviews in the world, you know. 
And um, I just, there's that picture, I'm going to show it, I don't know, probably the last time, you, you know, the worldview is what is real. You know, what do you believe to be real? That's your worldview. And out of that will come your beliefs, you know, what you believe to be true. And out of that will come what is good, your values. And out of your values come your behavior and your actions. But it all comes from what you believe to be real and true. And we all have a worldview. And, and the thing that is very different about God's worldview is that it's founded in the Bible, in the truth of the Word. It's founded on truth. And, and, and God will never, ever lead you astray or will lead you into error uh, through His Word. In fact, in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, a verse that we talk about all the time, all of the Bible, you know, not just the ones we like, that's not the parts we like, but all of the Bible is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, you know, us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses the Bible what, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. But not only that, God's given us his Holy Spirit, that his Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and, it, and he makes his, his ministries to make the Bible understandable to you, you know? Um, in John 16, 13, John says this, Jesus said this, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he's heard, that, that part of what the Holy Spirit does is he... He opens our eyes so we can understand what God is trying to say to us in the Bible. And so we have the Bible that is his truth, and then we have the Holy Spirit who's living inside of us, making it understandable. And, and on that, that is how we develop a worldview based on that, based on what God is saying through his word. And I'm just praying that today we're going to look at another um, key element of his worldview. Uh, it's really important. It's an important truth of his worldview. The, the question is, why do we experience suffering? I mean, why do we experience suffering? You know, worldviews that explain or worldviews that believe that, that people are, are, are naturally good all have a hard time explaining why there is suffering in the world. See, because if you believe and if you begin that um, by believing that man is naturally good, then, then you kind of need something. You need to look for something or someone to blame for the suffering and, and the pain in the world. Because if people are naturally good, and, that tru and if truth is relative, then, then there's no need to look inside and really to take responsibility for anything, right? You know, because you know, I'm naturally good and people's naturally good. So what happens is that people become victims in search for something to blame, and, and really nothing good can come out of suffering. You know, it's, just, it's, it's inconceivable. And so, so often, even, even with people who don't believe in God, um, they point their finger at God in times of suffering, right? Um, we, you know, we say, they say, we all say, you know, if God is so loving, then, then why does he allow suffering? That's a pretty good question. If God is so loving, right? And we all say, God is so loving. Why does he allow suffering? When we experience or hear of a tragedy of some kind, we ask, why, why did this happen? I mean, 
where, where was God? Why did he allow this to happen? Right? Don't, aren't those questions that we all ask ourselves? Because somewhere in our minds, we can't figure out why there should be suffering. Right? If God is good, and, and if I'm a good human being, and if people are good, and people are naturally good, then, then why, why, why would there be suffering? <clears throat> and <clears throat> the, the exciting thing to me is that God's real worldview um, has an answer to those questions. And so we're going to really quickly look at that. You've got notes you can follow along. But the first thing is that in this life, in God's real worldview, in this life, there's going to be suffering. Okay, there, there's just going to be suffering. There is suffering. Suffering is real. It's so real that Jesus himself, God's son, God himself, Jesus himself, experienced the full depth of suffering. But Jesus didn't come just to experience suffering. He came to conquer it, and he came to redeem it. So God, this is what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey in the land of all the ites, Canaanites and Perizzites and all those guys, right? But, but that's who God, God came to deliver and save the Israelites. In the same way, Jesus has come to save and deliver us from what? From all our suffering. And we got to understand, yeah, you know what? There is suffering. That suffering is real. Jesus himself suffered. But second thing is this. Suffering entered the world with sin. Okay? Suffering entered the world with sin. The world and the life that God designed was to be perfect. It was perfect. God's design was for people to be more than just robots, that he gave us the ability to make choices, right? That, that because of sin, we just kind of choose to use our freedom in, 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 in selfish ways. We choose to ignore God. We choose to disobey him. <clears throat> and as mankind continued to drift farther away and rebel and disobey God and his standards and his truth, <clears throat> excuse me, then all this violence and pain and grief and loneliness and all this kinds of suffering is a result of our sin. It's not a result of God. God doesn't cause all this. It's our sin has brought about all these things. In Romans 3.10, and we read, as the scriptures say, nobody is righteous. No one is righteous. Not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not even a single one. Their talk is foul like stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. See, that's a description of, of what happens when we drift and we rebel and we turn against God. Sin comes in, and all with sin comes all this mess. And suffering really is a result of sin. It came into the world because of sin. It didn't come because God said, oh, 
man, I'm going to punish you. Boom, oh, ha, ha, boom. No, it came as a result of our sin. But God's worldview provides answers, really, and hope in times of suffering. You know, that's the greatest thing. That God didn't just leave us and say, well, hey, you know what? This was my way. You guys chose not to. Those are the consequences. Oh, well, bummers. No. The greatest thing about God and his worldview is that it provides answers, but, but maybe even more important than that, it provides hope <clears throat> in the midst of suffering. First thing is this. In times of suffering, even in the midst of suffering, you can rest in God's peace. That you can rest in God's peace. Now, how great is that? In Romans, and we're going to look at some verses here in Romans 5, it says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And knowing that, that Christ took and God took the initiative and made you right with him through the sacrifice of his son, man, you can have peace. Even in the midst of all the mess that you're feeling. Because he didn't cause the suffering but he is going to give you peace. That's the greatest thing to me. That, that it wasn't his fault. It was our rebellion that causes a lot of messes that we're in. But God doesn't say, well, too bad. Even then, God says, I want to give you peace. And in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Even in times of suffering, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, what do you do? Let your requests be made known to God. You just let God, God, I need help. I need help. I'm struggling. I'm suffering. I don't understand. I'm just anxious. Whatever it is, in everything, he says, let your requests be made known to God. And then what happens? And then the peace of God, which surpasses all human comprehension, is going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Even in the midst of suffering, that God's going to give you peace. Suffering is real. Suffering is real. We're all going to suffer. Some. We're all going to experience times of suffering. But God says, even in the midst of that, I'm going to give you peace. That you come to me, and I'll give you peace. The second thing is you can stand on God's grace. You can stand on God's grace. Go on in verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. That's grace. Undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. In the midst of your suffering, that there's hope because you can stand on God's grace. You don't deserve it. You don't earn it. You kind of probably botched it up, but it doesn't matter. God says, because of our faith, because of the faith that you've placed in Christ Jesus, you can stand, you can stand confidently and joyfully looking forward to God's glory. There was this woman, Kara Tippett, <clears throat> she's an author, she was a mother of four. She worked, she was a co-laborer with her husband, Jason, who was a, it's a pastor, and she endured a really long battle with breast cancer. And she went home to Jesus on March 22, 2015. 
And, you know, she, through her ordeal, through her challenge, <clears throat> she, would, she believed that cancer was not the point, but that Jesus was the point. She asked herself, how would she trust God in the midst of sickness? And in fall of 2014, you know, uh, a Christian publisher published her story, you know, The Hardest Place. She wrote a book called The Hardest Place, The Hardest Peace, I should say. I'm sorry. And she refused to be defined by cancer. And she considered every moment, <clears throat> she considered every moment she had a gift, you know, and an opportunity to learn more about God's grace. She believed Suffering was an opportunity to understand God's love on a deeper level. And while she was suffering, she wrote this. <clears throat> My body has grown tired of the battle. The treatments no longer helping. But what I see, what I know, what I have is Jesus. He has still given me breath. And with it, I pray I would live well and fade well. I get to draw my people close, kiss them, and tenderly speak love over their lives. I get to pray into eternity my hopes and my fears. I get to laugh and cry and wonder over heaven. I do not feel like I have the courage for this journey, but I have Jesus, and he will provide. He has given me so much to be grateful for, and that gratitude will cover us all, and it will carry us, it will carry us in ways we can't comprehend. See, that's what standing on God's grace looks like. That we can stand on God's amazing grace even in times of suffering because of Jesus. And that's the blessing. And that's the power of believing in God's real worldview. Not only that, we can rejoice in God's love. You know, we can rest in God's peace. We can stand in God's grace. We can rejoice in God's love. Verse 3. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trial. Why? Because it goes on. It says, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now, how amazing is that? That in times of suffering and in times of problems and trials, God loves us so much he gave us Jesus to be our Savior, to die for our sins, and then he gives us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That he's faithful and you can rejoice because any and every suffering that you go through is covered by his love. You know, following this devastating earthquake in Haiti, this church would meet in this tent, you know, held together with uh, made of tarps and duct tape and stuff like that. And then you would go in on a Sunday morning and you would see six amputees right there in the front clapping and rejoicing in the Lord. And leading the charge was this 32-year-old woman, Demosi Lofin, and she was an unemployed single mama of two, lost her right arm, lost her left leg due to the earthquake. And despite losing her job, her home, two limbs, she leads the choir of this church. You know, and, 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 and she's just rejoicing. And she would say this, God, I, I can, I'm so grateful to God for sparing my life. He brought me back like Lazarus, giving me 
the gift of life. And she goes on, she says she believes that, that, that God saved her and she survived this devastating earthquake for two reasons. One, to raise her two girls, and two, to serve the Lord for a few more years. That's it. Unemployed, single mom, lost an arm and a leg, and yet she can rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because she's just rejoicing in God's love. God, I'm alive. You know, and I get to raise my daughters. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And you know what? I could be in heaven. I could be enjoying home in heaven. But you give me a few more years to serve you in a greater way. How do you get that? You get that when God loves you and gives you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit fills your heart with love. So even in times of suffering, that you can rejoice. See, that's the power of God's worldview. The fourth thing, and this is amazing to me, is that you can learn through suffering and grow in your faith in God. That even in times of suffering, there's so much that we can learn. There's so much that God can teach us and we can learn and that we can grow in our faith. In verse 3, you know, we read, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You see, that in God's real worldview, we can actually learn and grow. We don't just have to endure. We don't just have to survive. We can learn and we can grow in times of suffering. That, that all these problems and challenges and trials that we go through, that, that they help us, that, that they grow endurance in us. They grows our character. You know, and at the end, that we get a, we get a greater conviction and a greater confidence in the hope of heaven and salvation because all that God's done. Verse 6 goes on and says, we were, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright man, upright person, though someone might be perhaps willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And, you know, I, that's such a powerful truth to me. That's such a powerful truth. That, that it, was, it was when we needed a Savior the most that Christ came to pay the penalty. And, and, and in your times of suffering, if you're going through a really hard time, in the times that you need God the most, that out of his love that he's going to be there. See? That Christ is going to come just at the right time, just when you need him, because that's how much God loves you. That even in times of suffering, God can take what you're going through and demonstrate his great love for you and his amazing love and use those times to teach you and to grow you in your faith. See, that's what God's real worldview is all about. It's about truth. And it's about grace. We stand on the absolute truth of God's word. 
and we experience and we extend God's grace. The grace that God extends to us, we extend to others. But, but we don't just, we stand on God's truth. We stand on God's word. You know, and then we extend grace. And, and, and you know, you experience more of the Holy Spirit living in you and you go through times of suffering because of sin, but the God who loves you is there and he's going to save you. See, the craziest thing about God's worldview is, look, we suffer because of the sin, not because of God, that because of our disobedience and all this, things get messed up in the world. God had nothing to do with it. God didn't want us to be robots. God wanted us to have the freedom to choose. But we choose sometimes. We choose sin. Adam chose sin. And sin entered the world. And God could have said, whoa, that's too bad. But even when it wasn't his fault, he loves us and he saves us. And then in verse 9, verse 9, says this. And since we have been made right with God, right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we are still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the, through the life of his son. And he said, you can take it to the bank. And then when you go through these times of suffering and sin, you can rejoice. Because God does something crazy. He goes on in verse 11. And he says this. So now, in light of all this, in light of all that I've done, yeah, you mess things up. Yeah, you go through suffering. But, but you can still rest in my peace. That, that, that you can still stand on my grace. You can rejoice in my love. You can, you know, you're going to grow in your faith. There's things you can learn. You know? And then... When everything is all said and done, verse 11, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. We get to be friends of God. That um, doesn't matter what has happened. Doesn't matter what we've done. But because of what Jesus has done, and because of God's amazing love, that while we were yet sinners, far away from him, Christ came to die for us, right? All that. At the end of the day, it would be so wonderful to at least be his servants. But he says, uh-uh. You get to be my friends. That we get to be friends of God. That's amazing grace. That's an amazing truth. That's God. That's his worldview. Dr. Jamie Atten, he's a Christian professor at Wheaton College. And uh, he's a cancer survivor. And he wrote in the Washington Post once, urging trauma survivors to, quote, he says this, make meaning of your experience. He says, most of us operate from some research uh, from what some researchers refer to as a just worldview. We tend to believe that if we are good, good things will happen. It's difficult then to make meaning when bad things happen to us. 
I went to the doctor for tests because of shooting pain in my leg. I never dreamed it was from a mass sitting on a nerve bundle in my pelvis. It was difficult for me to wrap my head around what had happened. Thoughts like, wasn't I a good person? Plagued me. A colleague of mine deployed to help with the relief agency after Superstorm Sandy, and she met a man whose roof had been blown away by the gale strength winds. This man surprised the relief team with an optimistic quip. He says, sometimes you have to lose the roof to see the stars. And that's a man who lives according to, to God's worldview. You go through a tough time. You go through a time of suffering. You're in your house, your roof blows off. But God's worldview led him to say, sometimes you got to lose the roof. You got to lose the roof to see the stars. See, Jamie Atten found when they did some research that two people can go through a very similar, identical loss. One believing that, that God saved them, while the other one believing that somehow, some way, it has to be God's fault. And they saw that the one who blamed God or something, was likely to suffer a great deal more. Because they had the wrong worldview. Sometimes you have to lose the roof to see the stars. And you know, I think that's God's encouragement for all of us today, especially if you're going through a time of suffering, you don't know what's going on, that, that even in these moments, even in those moments where you're suffering, you know, I think God is saying to us, look for the stars. Look for the stars. Don't focus on the roof you lost. Because sometimes when that roof blows away, you get to see the stars. That's living according to God's worldview. See, times of suffering, they don't come from God. It's a result of sin's effect in the world. But God is there. He's in your time of suffering, that he's there, that he is worth trusting. He made the stars, and he's going to be there with you. you know? No matter what you're going through, God's worldview says, look for them stars, because there's a God who created them, and he created you, and he's done everything. He's done everything, everything to make you his friend. That's the God we come here to worship. That's the God who says, come follow me. That's what his worldview is all about. Call the worship team up. And uh, as they come up, you know, I want to say to you, and I want to ask you that, um, you know, being a Christian is more than just coming to church. Being a Christian is more than trying to be really good. That over the last few weeks, we've looked at God's worldview says that, hey, life can change, and being a Christian is all about trusting in Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, if you've not done that, well, you kind of think you've done it, maybe you've never, maybe today, just say, God, you know, tired of just looking at blown-off roofs. Maybe I need to start looking at the stars. 
maybe I need to look at who created the stars. I recognize that you have. Now will you just come be my Savior? Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Now I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. And if you've never prayed that, you just pray along, you know. And see if God doesn't transform your life. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us. Forgive us for blaming you at times for all the suffering that we go through. That we falsely blame you for things that we see. So if God is so loving, why all this stuff? But we recognize that it is our sin that has caused the suffering that we see. You just come to rescue us from that. That you sent your son Jesus to rescue and die for us, to die for me. And today I accept, I accept that sacrifice. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying for my sin, for paying the penalty and making me right with God the Father. Please come into my life and be my Savior. And will you transform my life? That it's so easy for me to just look at blown off ropes. And to be honest, I've gotten bitter. Because I've seen all these things blown away. And I haven't seen beyond that. And look above that. Today I want to have eyes to see you. I want to see the stars. And not just the blown rope. Will you help me, Lord Jesus, to see beyond the mess. And to see you. Thank you. In Jesus' name.